it, it wasn't like you don't have a sense of what's right and what's wrong and what's real and what's not. They didn't walk over the Lord at all. He didn't allow it. They didn't have any disregard. They had disregard for him. Yes, they, they couldn't walk over him. He wouldn't allow it. You know, you find people that might be disrespectful. Like, you you know, some people feel like he has to answer person almost, almost like tit for tat. If they say something, you say something. Jesus was not like that. There were people who, even his own brother, you know, said things that were kind of disrespectful and hinted to him birthright, you know, to whether or not he was a bastard or not. You know, he had brethren who did that to him because they realized that Joseph was their father, but they didn't attribute Joseph to being Jesus' father. So, and he took it, but like he told his other brother, he said, at least I know where my time is, you know. It's not like he let them think that he didn't have common sense. He said, you don't know where your day is, but I know where my time is. He said, you don't know. So, being patient doesn't mean that you're somebody's punching back or you're, it's just that you're slow to anger, you know, and you see, when you're patient, the Lord allows you to see things that people ordinarily don't see, you know, and when you see it, it might irritate you because, you know, I remember my mother, she had a gift of discernment, and she would be talking to people, and I sometimes couldn't figure out why she was so irritated, that's because she could discern where they were truly coming from as opposed to what they were saying, and so she had to you know, rein in her responses because she would have responded according to their real intent, not according to what they were projecting. So sometimes, uh, when you know, when you're patient, it doesn't mean that anything we tell you, you fall for it. Anything you do, you let them. That's not what patience is. Because the Lord tells you in a minute. But you don't have to yell. You don't have to be you don't have to disrespectful bad. You don't have to be disrespectful. You might have to raise your voice. You might have to do an open rebuke, but you don't have to be disrespectful. You know, you don't have to get into, into your flesh. If, if you're yelling because you're bringing over to wrath, then right, you've lost your patience. You know, so it's the intent behind when you raise your voice. You know, and so I'm thinking, do you think that when Jesus took the uh, whip and beat the money changers and out of the temple? lost his patience. Oh, did he beat the people? Or I thought he just turned the tables over and, you know, whipped him. You don't think he, 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 don't think he accidentally hit me? No, I think Lord did things he did accidentally. I think he accidentally I, might have hit somebody. No, I think he whipped it behind. So I'm thinking, but I think his was like the way a father would chastise his children. Say, I'm thinking, when he chastised them, was to let them know you are in violation of the law. Not so much that he lost his patience as much as he was enforcing his right of authority because I believe he truly lost his patience. Being God, he could have just said, you know, like like when the she-bears came out of, out of the woods and killed the children. He could have pronounced a judgment upon them, but he didn't. Okay. Is... Um Patience the same as long suffering. Long suffering is you're just suffering long. It's a long time, and you're just I don't know. Is it suffering? Is Not it, necessarily. It's suffering. like waiting and waiting. You're suffering. You're waiting. I don't think you can't have long suffering without being patient. You know, I I, I 
in the scriptures, I can't see where a person can suffer long without having patience. You know, how they can endure hardship, which is what you're doing with, with the long suffering. You're enduring hardship, but you're doing, enduring it with hope. You're enduring hardship with the, the knowledge that the Lord is going to bring you out. And that you're not suffering in vain. And that you're not going through in vain. You know, because you can wait for something and be patient for something, but it has nothing to do with maybe say suffering. Maybe the Lord has said He's going to bless you with something, mm-hmm. like He told Abraham, "I'm going to bless you with a son." And then, you know, the first ten years you say, oh, "Okay," and then fifteen years go by, you say, "Hmm." By the time you hit year twenty-five, the know the Lord intended for us to do. He intended for us to go and. Right. Do it ourselves. Right. <laughs> right. Stop going it. our own way. Right. They lost patience. We're gonna go do it. And then that brought a whole bunch of others. Right. And the Lord didn't tell them, don't do it. Alright, so patience originates from God. I think that's what it says in Romans chapter 15, verses 4 to 6. Romans chapter 15, verses 4 for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So do you think that means that it comes from God? Patience comes from God? Originates from God? I think anything that edifies comes from the Lord. And all things, but and when it comes from the Lord in the sense to build up. I mean, because all things that are, are created by the Lord. But patience comes from God as a, a blessing, as virtue. as something that edifies the, the saint and edifies the church. Like you're 
or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think it's, I suppose, it's godliness? Oh, oh, well, you have to add two of these things because as you grow in the Lord, mm-hmm. these characteristics, they belong to the Lord. They grow in a person. They abound. It's not like you reach up and say, I'm going to do a bit of godliness today. <laughs> what you do is you go to the Lord, and as you submit to the Lord, and you go through uh, not just testing trials, you also go through growing in understanding. You also, you know, growing in revelation, growing in handling the scriptures, becoming skillful in the word of God. You grow in from milk to meat. And as you grow in the Lord, all these characteristics of God, you start building your faith. But is that growing during trials? And not just trials, growing through learning. You know, so so as you read the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, as you begin to study the word, and God begins to reveal the scriptures to a person, you begin to grow. So, um, the next one in this article is, patience was demonstrated by Christ. And the scripture that I found was Matthew 27, verse 14. And it says, and he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. So this is the chapter where he's before Pilate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you think there was more showing patience? Well, not stubbornness. I wouldn't say it was stubbornness, but I, but do you think it's patience? Starting at verse 13, it says, mm-hmm. And then Pilate unto, said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Mm-hmm. But do you think it was patience? What do you think it was? I think it was him saying, you're not even worth me giving you an answer. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Right. He wasn't even worth it. It's not going to waste my breath. What's the use of talking to you because it's not going to accomplish anything? Well, the other uh, verse that they had as an example is Isaiah 53, verse 7. Mm -hmm. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers and is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You see, I, you don't think that's patience? Well, it's patience in the sense, but that's how humble he was. That's how, to me, when I think of that, I think of how humble the Lord was and how he had resigned himself to fulfill the will of the Father. That's what I think of. You know, and you can't do it without patience, but to me, this shows his obedience and his love towards the Lord. And you have to have patience to do that, but I think it was more than just patience. All right, what about this one? Remember when he was, um, I think you find it in John chapter 8, when he was, um, when he stooped down mm-hmm. and he started writing with his finger on the ground, mm-hmm. like he pretended he didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they kept asking him and asking him, and then he lifted himself up and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast the, the stone 
they were saying that this woman was taking an adultery act, caught. So is that patient? I guess to a certain extent it is. Or when the people would question him. When they would come to him and say, Master, and knowing, he's looking at them knowing that they're just coming to try to trap him. Or, you know, when they would come with these, you know, these, what they considered to be puzzles like people do today. If God is almighty, can he create a stone that he himself cannot lift, you know? And I tell them, yes and no. No and yes. And people say, well, that's impossible. I say, well, with man it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And so when they would question him and, and bait him to me, that showed patience. You know, when they would get him in front of people and try to ridicule when he went in and said, the maid isn't dead, she sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. Mm -hmm. And he put him out. That showed patience to me, you know. He put him out because of the lack of unbelief. And he went in and, you know, pray, you know, but he wasn't going to have them in the room knowing they didn't believe. But that, that showed, that took a lot of restraint. That showed patience. You know, because people are, are laughing you, scoring, and ridiculing you, and, uh, you know, that's patience. And, and when, when a person is a patient individual, there's a type of humbleness to them. And so all these people were coming up to test him, and, you know, and he could see within their spirit, they were just trying to trick him, trying to trip him up. You know, and he was patient when they said, well, what about the man, you know, the married woman, and she had seven husbands, Who, whose husband would she be? They just thought they had a good one. Whose husband, you know, should, should have the claim over her when they get to heaven? He said, it's patience, see, and patiently. He wasn't, he wasn't hasty and irritated in his answer. He just told them, well, for one thing, you got your whole premise wrong, you know, and he taught them like a teacher, you know, and... Second, you, you, it's like you don't have an understanding. You know, they don't get, just like the angels, you're not giving them there. So that took patience to answer questions for uh, people who basically have no good intentions. Or like the person that said, you know, look, look, look at him, say, I have compassion on the person in his patience and say, you need to sell everything you have. Yeah. Give to the poor. All right. Um, Do you think he had patience with Judas? I think so. Yeah. He sure did have patience with Judas. And knowing he I mean, he knew it. his heart. He knew what he was going to do. And he gave Mary opportunity. But see, I'm always questioning that. I'm not questioning, but I, I wonder about that. Wonder. Because God knew he was going to do it. But he, he gave him, his heart. But he gave him the opportunity not and, to do it. Well, I know. And, and somebody else would have stepped in right. and done it. He said, but it doesn't have to be it you. Had to be, it had to be done. Right. But he was looking at Judas. Once you get to know somebody, say you get to know a person. But the Lord knows everybody. Yeah, but, but he had a personal relationship. Just like out of all his disciples, he chose 12. And he had a special relationship with those 12. And so he had a special relationship with Judas. And once you get close to somebody, and you, you, you know the individual, you give the individual responsibilities, made him the treasure, even though he knew he was a thief, gave him an opportunity not to steal, once you work with someone, it's like digging around the roots of, of, of a tree. He's given him every opportunity not to be the one that betrays the son of man. But Judas just didn't take it. He could have not taken it, but he lost the woe to the one that does it. All right, so it's like when you um, witness to somebody. Is that what you're saying? 
It's yeah. like you're telling them about the Lord, you're telling them about salvation, you're telling that there's a better way, God has a way out, a way of escape for you, you don't have to be like that, you don't have to live like that. And, hit that and then they turn around and do the wrong thing. Or oh, slap you, or spit in your face, or something that happens to a lady, and basically tell you, you know, where to get off. And this is what one person told me he wasn't saved. He said he never had such rude people as Christians. He said, because well, when he disagreed with them, they were so rude and obnoxious, they lost their patience. And he, so he said, he was a foreigner, and he said, you know, you're the first person because he, what he said was so ridiculous to me. I could not be angry with him. I just, and, and he said, but you're the first Christian that so-called that, that he ever talked with that didn't get so upset with him to tell him off. And I'm thinking, why, why would I? Because first of all, what you're saying it doesn't make any sense. It's not the truth anyway, so why would I get upset? But he said his experience with Christians were that they would get upset, argumentative, and then they would... Well, do you think that's because people don't have a ready answer? Oh, they get defensive? Yeah. Right, that's true. They get defensive. As a matter of fact, you know, we, we've seen where people were so rude that the aldermen had decided in our favor because people were so rude and they were expecting us to get offended and walk out, but we didn't. Because patience has a perfect work. It was like, why? If you really feel that way, if you really believe that way, nothing I'm going to say is going to convince you to change your mind, so why else should I raise my blood pressure? Why should I stroke out? So, um, being patient is pleasing to God? Yes. So this verse in this article, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patience in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Right. That says that God, that patience is pleasing to God? So, yeah, and then I'm thinking, it's, it's, it's to, to think that pride and patience are opposites. You know, I don't think people think in terms of if you're patient, you're not proud. You know, because there's a humbleness. You know, when you're humble, it involves being patient. You know, there's that saying that says, patience is a virtue. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I, yeah, the virtue means a characteristic that belongs to God, yes. Okay. You know, there are a lot of people that just don't have an understanding of the Bible. You know, um, I think kids growing up, don't have an understanding. They, they don't know the Bible at all. You know, yeah. Need it. I'll ask a child, you know, do you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den? They go, no. Mm-hmm. You know? So I tell them the story of Daniel and the, and the lion's den, you know. Uh, Hebrew boys in the furnace. You know, I ask them do they know these particular stories, you know, because there's a, there's a life lesson, natural and spiritual, to be learned in them. And, you, and, and believe it or not, children are interested because it has to do with conflict and how do you get out of something and how do you address something. And I think if, uh, if they would give these children uh, proverbs, even if they would read to them proverbs, you would have a lot less fighting and a lot more thinking among the children. You know, that reminds me of someone who always says, you know, they'll hear something on TV like when, um, say for instance, Thanksgiving. 
And then they have these hotlines on how to cook a turkey or how to wash a turkey or how to, you know, what you should, how to stuff a turkey. And, and this person gets irritated and they say, good Lord, don't, doesn't anybody know how to do anything? <laughs> and, you know, I say that, well, they probably do if they're your age or my age or, but these young people coming up probably don't know. No. That's probably why they have to reinforce how to do things mm-hmm. and have these hotlines and tell you how to do things. Right. Yeah, I was thinking, too, that just to piggyback off of what, you, what y'all were saying about uh, knowing about Proverbs and reading the Bible and how it should be implemented in um, the schools. Because the book of Proverbs is a good book for young men, young women, and it's a lot of ethnics that you can learn, you know, that kids can learn, that young people can learn, anybody can learn about how to carry themselves, how to solve conflicts, how to be Do's wise. and don'ts of and, life. Right. And I think that would be very good that they should, you know, implement that. Right. They underestimate children. Some of them think that, as a matter of fact, they even underestimate uh, Americans, period. They, they, they were certain programs they felt like it was just too intellectual for us. <laughs> Yeah, that we, but, we wouldn't be able to get the hidden meaning behind whatever it is. But just like I was telling you about that turkey story, how to prepare a turkey, that's what we have to do with the Bible. We have to tell our children about right. the Word. Right, and we the Lord to told us our, that. You know, and that's why when you read the Word, you hear them, or you read how, you know, the Lord says to tell your children, rehearse this, you know, down generation right. to generation to right. generation. Remind them of what God has done for you. So it's not just how to do a turkey is right. how to serve the Lord. Right. How to be obedient to the Lord. How to you rehearse that. Right. And what has stopped I mean, I believe that has stopped a great deal. Right. And that's why you have shootings and killings and, and gen- lack of patience. Right. And, and gender confusion I'm and telling you that everything is confusion. else. Because when we were going uh uh to grade school and they were pushing evolution because it was something that that was rehearsed in the household as far as the Lord has made heaven and earth. It never fazed us. Well, we're pretty much out of time, but what I want to emphasize is your patience comes from the Lord. Your patience comes from reading the Word. Your patience comes from praying and serving the Lord. Your patience... And when you're praying, and we have to put this in, talk about coronavirus, what you have to do is pray. You know, they're they're talking about a million, one million points, you know, Point seven, whatever. Dying, dying. You better pray, you know. And well, maybe we'll continue that next program. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Romans 5 and 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now, ain't God all right? God, God is, is all right. right. So last week's Food for Thought was, how did Noah know that the floodwaters were all dried up? And the answer is, a dove brought Noah an olive leaf. And you can read that in Genesis chapter 8, verse 11, which reads, And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated off from off the earth. This week's food for thought is after Noah and his family and all of the animals left the ark, 
when the land was dry, what was the first thing that Noah did? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought. 